uh, after that great song, let's uh, turn in our Bible to page 946, to Romans chapter 11. Uh, and yes, 946 and then 947, the whole chapter it's 36 pages, uh, verses long, which is a long passage, but we'll go through all of it. I won't be able to explain all the little details at the end, but I'll have a crack at showing you the main road that Paul is taking us on in Romans chapter 11. But let's first pray, ask for God's help. Father, we know that this is the day that the Holy Spirit uh, was given as a gift to the church to help people to understand what the Bible teaches. And we pray the Holy Spirit will be given to us tonight to help us to learn what you say to us in the Bible so that, well, at the end of it, that our joy might be bigger than it is. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Romans chapter 11, don't worry, we're not killing children, it just sounds like it. Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. Paul's writing, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, 
And what will their acceptance mean? But life from the dead. If the dough off offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, or the wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Well, that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith, so don't become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Se severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even then, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they'll be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For, for if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and grafted, contrary to nature, into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So as regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? 
for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory for ever amen well there are going to be uh, uh, a small group of people and they're carrying their branches with them uh, leaving some branches behind but uh, we'll uh, let them go to the other group and then we'll carry on in ours so just a moment while they leave and then we'll continue <coughs> by mercy we, 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 it's lovely knowing you <laughs> she, she's gone out to the children she'll probably come back in shreds right okay let's uh, get into Romans chapter 11 don't shut the Bible whatever you do we keep it open we look at it closely and we ask ourselves some interesting questions. Famas, you work? Um, let me ask you, is it possible to be a miserable Christian? <laughs> now, I know it wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, looking at you, but you would, you used to be. <laughs> um, but when you look at the Bible, the answer is actually very different. Yes, you do see a lot of misery. And what we'd love to have in our heart of hearts is joy. So let me ask you, what's the secret to joy? Be good, isn't it? We could stop there and you could have a talk in twos and threes and then come back and tell me. You can do that on Tuesday, but for now. I'm going to stand on my feet and have a stab at telling you. What is underneath joy? Let me tell you, it is this. It is gratitude. A lot of people think that they'll get joy if they take all the good things that there are out there, if you like, all the good things in creation, and grab as much of those things as they can, and joy will come when they do that. But actually... Having the good things of creation, but no gratitude, well, that's not how joy comes in. And you can see, if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse um, uh, 21, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, and you will see that creation does not bring joy, because in verse 21, they knew God, they knew that everything had been made by him in uh, the previous verses, in verse 20, and um, you get 21, and yet they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But the joy gets very dark, they become futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. No joy, no gratitude, you can have all the wonderful things of creation, no gratitude, no joy. And so you find that this is actually a discovery that you make. That instead of seeking after joy, you do meet people in the world, don't you? I've knocked around a few years now, and I think I've stumbled into quite a few. The people in the end find their joy in being miserable. Um, I know people like that. I'm related to people like that. And they just aren't happy unless they're unhappy. 
because they've gone for the wrong things and there's no gratitude there but we're not throwing stones at other people because Christians can be pretty miserable too why else would the Bible tell us rejoice and again rejoice if we find that comes naturally it doesn't but for the book of for the Christians the book of Romans has one new reason to be joyful for the Christian non-Christians often look for creation for joy but Christians where well, Romans tells us that there's a new thing that will bring us joy it isn't the created world but joy comes to Christians through grace we're dazzled by God's grace now you might not have heard that word before you might be wondering what it means and grace is a shorthand way of describing you getting something you don't deserve okay so if I haven't done anything for you but you give me a fiver that's grace at least that's one way that you can describe it getting something you don't deserve now <clears throat> it's not a word that you experience very much outside because people generally in the world aren't waiting to come and give you fivers because you haven't done anything for them uh, you've got to earn your fiver if you're going to get it generally in the world and most people think God operates on the same basis so if you're going to get anything out of God you've got to pay the fiver uh, as well earn God's favor by reward that's how most people think but the Bible tells us that God gives us things that we don't deserve but actually it puts it even more strongly than that what grace means is that God if you like clambers over the barricades that we put up of our resistance of our unbelief of our disobedience and God clambers over those barriers to bring his kindness to us that is the full picture of God's grace and the more we see that there is a God who acts like that the more we will be grateful to him and the more we'll be overflowing with joy yes Christians can love the good things in creation because we can take the good things and be thankful so when you bring in the gratitude element joy will grow do take that home with you the more grateful you are the more joyful you will be and the things that God gives us in creation can help us in that but our main joy comes when Christians take in grace and therefore if it's working well the reasons why you want to come back to church Sunday after Sunday is a desire to see how God is gracious how God's grace works how God's grace clambers over our barricades uh, to uh, uh, to, to, to make his uh, goodness uh, known to us and that's one of the reasons why we come to church to open up a new window to see God doing this this is what Romans chapter 11 gives us another little window that we see tonight 
that God climbs over the barricades of our resistance to bring his grace into play so that we can be filled with new joy. And if you think about it, that's what heaven will be like. The great thing about God's new creation is not the new creation itself. The fact that there is a new world and it will be the place where God has made all things new. But if you look at the accounts of the people in heaven, the Bible allows us to preview when you get into the book of Revelation and so on, they're normally casting their crowns in front of God, thanking him for his amazing grace. That he's overcome the barriers of sin and come through and won and brought his kindness to light in our lives. That's what we will be filled with joy about in heaven. And we're going to be seeing window after window of God's goodness coming to us despite our resistance towards him. That's what this church is there to teach and to bring to light and to knowledge in our state. So, we're going to see how God's grace comes into play against the backdrop of resistance and opposition and we're going to see him do that with two groups of people. Name one group. The Jews, good, you've been listening to the reading. Name another group. There you are. You've got both points of my sermon without me saying a word. So, let's start with the Jews. God's grace to the Jews. Now, if you remember where we stopped last time, we stopped at chapter 10, verse 21, and you see a picture of the Jews putting the barricades up. You see God holding his hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Yeah, you with me? And so Paul says, well, does that mean that that is the end of the story for the Jews? I mean, they're putting the drawbridge up, so therefore God's not going to get through, right? But Paul says, <laughs> verse 1, look at me. I'm exhibit A. I'm a Jew. And if you look at this pedigree, no one would think otherwise. And yet God climbed over the barriers of his disobedience and contrary pride and did not reject Paul even though he had rejected God. And the same can be said for exhibit B, which is Elijah. And again, if you look at verse 3 of chapter 11, there were the Jews, they were putting up all the barriers against God, killing his prophets and so on, demolishing his altars. And there's Elijah and they're coming after him and his think he's, he's a lone survivor and he's not going to be a lone survivor for long. But then God says, actually no, there are 7,000 others where God has overcome any love that they had for the idol called Baal at that time. And he captured their hearts with his love and kept them with a love for him. So Paul says in verse 6 that uh, grace is not about works. But here's the interesting thing. You see, in this context, he's saying, look, it's not the question of, you know, good stuff that you do impresses God. No, he's not saying that. He said, look, the bad stuff that you do doesn't disqualify. Grace means works don't count, even the bad works, not just the good works. And God blesses. 
So there are the Jews um, resisting uh, grace. And what happens in verse 15? It's like God's tidal wave of uh, grace comes crashing against the barriers of Jewish opposition and then floods the plains of the Gentile people around the Jews at that time. You saw that happening. If you know how Paul went to different places, what happened was he would go to a new town. The first thing he would do, he'd go in the synagogue. He'd start talking about Jesus. Second thing that happened, he'd come flying out the window. And he'd pick himself off the ground and he'd just tie and he went and said to himself, I think, I think God might be wanting to go to the Gentiles. So he goes to Gentiles in that town. And they become Christians. Then he goes to the next town. And what does he do? First thing, he goes to the synagogue. Next thing, he's coming flying out the window again. And he picks himself up and he says, you know, I think God wants me to go to the Gentiles. And so the Jewish resistance means that the Gentiles hear the gospel. But here's the thing about grace. That it doesn't just simply now overflow to the unreached and get the Gentiles. But the thing with grace is it can then overflow back to those who put up the barricades in the first place, the Jews. And you see, therefore, in verse 23b, that God has the power to graft them, the Jewish people, back in again. And so Paul sees the gospel-winning Gentiles in verse 25, the fullness of Gentiles coming in, so grace is flooding over there, but then at the same time, he's wanting to see the Jews come in as well. Partial hardening of the heart. And then the Jews come, all Israel will be saved. All God has chosen to save amongst his ancient people will be saved. Now, my friends, we might think, this is all very, history, all very interesting, but just in case you haven't noticed, we happen to be living in Dagnum in 2018, uh, um, um, and this was really quite a long time ago. What does this mean to us? I'll tell you what it means. That wherever the gospel is preached, every gospel community that forms, like ours, should want Jewish people to become Christians because in the way God works we must never forget that is the family of Abraham that are the best evangelists. Abraham is told right at the start it's your family that through your family I will bless the world. And you're seeing that happen with Paul. Through this Jewish man Gentiles are becoming Christians. Now, can you just imagine if we have lots of Pauls around? The Jews are the best people to commend Jesus. They are the best evangelists, I guess because they know more than anybody else how their history and their nation has resisted God again and again and again and they can speak better than anybody else about the way God's grace overcomes the barricades that we put up against it because they've had that experience a very long time. 
and so therefore we need to be seeing how God's grace flowing back into the Israelites who resisted him at the time of Paul and that is still true today how wonderful it would be if God's grace now went back not just from going out to the Gentiles but then flooded back into his people because they would open the gates of God's grace to many other people who aren't Christians today so we need to understand how <clears throat> it's important that this God who overcomes our barricades goes and does that with the Jews but second we want to think about how that works with the Gentiles now you know the Gentiles are non-Jews they're rank outsiders and Hannah brilliantly used that uh, branch to show us how ultimately it's a root that's important and when uh, the branches come out of the root and, uh, and grow well that's excellent but when uh, Paul uses that analogy he's describing how the Jewish people are like the original branches of the tree being broken off because they're not uh, following God anymore they're rejecting Jesus and therefore they've been broken off but now new uh, non-Jewish Gentile branches have been grafted in and uh, even though they come from a wild olive tree and wonderfully uh, Romans chapter 11 follows the royal wedding uh, from yesterday where you saw that happening didn't you where you have Meghan Markle who's uh, a complete rank outsider and she's American so that that means she is wild um, and and now she's been grafted into the ancient house of Windsor I didn't know I didn't watch the uh, the program I just read newspapers but uh, there's this forlorn picture of uh, dear poor Sarah Ferguson who once was married to um, the Queen's son Andrew Prince Andrew and she turned up on her own and she wasn't sitting with Andrew and the girls I don't know where she was sitting probably somewhere on the back stairs um, with a great pot plant in the way so she couldn't see anything but you know poor old Sarah Ferguson you know once part and now no longer uh, cast out and there's Meghan Markle who comes from California of all places you don't get wilder than that and and grafted in and now she's established part of the royal family ah, you get Romans 11 all over again but look I can do it even better than that I think because yes it is a special but to capture this the sense of this is such a special privilege we we do have lots of royal families don't we and and royal families generally have very ancient houses we saw that in Windsor Castle the oldest inhabited castle in the world and all that sort of thing ancient house and wonderful magnificent and in the sunshine takes good pictures but I want to think of an even better house than that I'm going to call it Righteousness House. Now think of a very special house built for a very special family on earth. The first person to live in Righteousness House was a man called Abraham and since then other people from his descendants have gone into the different rooms of Righteousness House and the family has grown. But now a new wing has been added to Righteousness House 
and there is now an opportunity for people who weren't originally part of that family to come and live in the same house even though we're not related to the blue blood line of Abraham now we need to understand that that's us and we really need to understand that's us because the way it often works is that we think that the Gentiles are the main house the Christianity is mainly a house of Gentiles where occasionally the odd Jew will slip in from time to time but what we need to get right is that us non-Jews are the new arrivals where the waifs and strays who have been welcomed into the most ancient historic home in the world and so for Gentiles we have uh, the special joy of uh, feeling a bit like uh, uh, Meghan Markle who wakes up every morning and looks out of the window of Clarence house which is now her home and she says I don't uh, I shouldn't be here and I think that was one of the pictures I think the most tweeted picture yesterday uh, again I get this from the newspaper I, didn't, I, don't, I don't tweet and spend my time on that either I'm saying that to the people who pay my wages here in front of me uh, but, uh, but, but the most tweeted picture was Meghan Markle outside Buckingham Palace age 16 thinking she will never be part of that and now she will wake up one day I'm sure in Buckingham Palace and open the windows there and say I shouldn't be here but now I belong absolutely to this family and my friends if you are not a Jewish Christian one of the ways your joy will come is by recognizing that you can have all the gratitude of an immigrant in the luxury homes of the kingdom of God that is how we bring and grow our gratitude now <clears throat> how does thinking like that work in uh, our different um, groups that we have I guess around on our estate today that will be that those who aren't who aren't Christians and I guess a good question to ask anyone who isn't Christian is very simply this uh, what do you think will bring joy into your life and most people would say but if I can get this this and this then the joy will come but the reality is the joy doesn't come if we're not uniting what we get with gratitude you've got to have someone to be grateful for or to otherwise you're going to think it's you that's got everything for yourself that was a, a, an atheist on the estate and uh, we had long conversations and uh, his wife became pregnant and I said to him <clears throat> what a shame it is that I'm going to be more grateful for your baby than you are I wanted to wake him up and I think I did <laughs> and, and he said what, what do you mean I said look you've got no one to thank have you apart from yourself but 
I just absolutely adore this God who has given you this amazing gift. I'm so much more grateful than you are. But here's the thing. A lot of people think if I... Okay, so are you telling me uh, that if I learn how to be grateful for the things God gives me that that is really what you're getting at? No, I'm not getting at that. I'm saying that there is an even greater joy to be had than that. That is the gratitude, not for creation, but for grace. How God has overcome the barriers of our obstruction to him to bring his kindness to us. Now for that to happen, of course, you've got to start with some honesty and to admit that you have stuck the barriers up. But to know that there is a God who can overcome all the barriers that we put up, maybe over many years in the lives, God is not <coughs> put off by that because it's never about works, good or bad, it is about grace. And God storms the barriers of grace to bring people an experience of his love. Ask him to do that and to bring you into his kingdom that you might live in the joy of grace. As if you're not a Christian, what happens if you are a person who's been around to church quite a bit? And this is a lot harder for you because actually exposure to religion doesn't actually bring us joy because it doesn't bring us gratitude for what God has done in grace. It puts in front of us things that we need to do to experience God's joy if we get all those things right. And so what happens is that God has to shut us up in disobedience and distance in verse 31 until we too realize, finally, the lights go on and we realize we too need God to have mercy on us. And one of the ways God shows that we need mercy is by putting alongside us people who maybe have had less church experience than we have, who have less Bible knowledge than we have, but who seem to have greater joy than we have because they are so grateful for God's grace. And it may be that if you're someone who's like that, then it would be such a help when you realize that actually your understanding of Jesus, your Christianity, if I can put it like this, is distant and dusty. And the answer is, don't look for another little knob to tweak up so it gets better drop it, start again and start learning how you have put the barricades up against God even by your religion and ask for God to show you how wonderfully he overcomes those barriers with his grace so that your undeserving disobedient heart can be won over by this fresh infusion of God's great love and if we are real believers, well, allow God's word tonight to shape our joy so that we are, if you like, uh, a little replica of Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, the girl who was wild and brought in. 
and is now so fully part of the royal family that her new title is no longer Meghan Markle. Don't you dare call her that if you see her on the street. It's Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex. <coughs> I think there is such a place and strange people come from it. But friends, learn how to be grateful. Learn how to look out of your window and think for a minute you're looking out the window of Righteousness House and you've got no right to be there but you fully belong. But at the same time, at the same time as having that gratitude and joy, let me ask you to notice the warning as well. And the warning comes by asking yourself, why are there so many Jews around? We don't always have them in our neighborhood. They've got better places to live than Dagenham. But nonetheless, we are conscious that there are Jews around us. They hit the headlines and we do have them consciously put in front of us and have our attention. Why is that? Because we need to understand how actually we are only in righteousness how where we are is because of God's incredible barricade storming grace. The minute we think that there's things that we might do for God then pride begins to come into the picture and the Jews around us are there to show us the danger of pride. You can so easily be like the branches who were torn off. And that could happen to you. And we need to be aware of that and to take care of that. And so therefore the Jews are around in the world to keep us humble and to keep us hopeful. Humble because well, if you want to go back to the royal wedding and um, relive it again, just imagine yourself in the carriage being driven up the long drive towards Righteousness House. Okay, you're away from stray, you don't belong. But on the way, you look at the crowds and you happen to notice that the people outside the gates bear a very striking resemblance physically to the original owners of the house. They look rather like Abraham. How is it that you're in and they're outside? The answer is because you have understood that the only way God will bring good to you is by overcoming the barricades. You don't burst in your goodness, but you just ultimately replay and replay how God overcomes the barricades of our Sinfulness, how grace is stronger than our sin. That's the only reason why we're in the carriage going in. But the people outside, the reason why they're not in the carriage with you is because, well, frankly, they're trying to save up a deposit to buy an apartment in Righteousness House. And therefore, they are still outside. And they'll never get in because they won't be able to afford the price. And we need to understand as we drive through life and see the Jews around us, this is where pride will lead us. 
if we ever forget for a minute that the only reason we are safe with God is because he has just completely overpowered and overwhelmed our resistance to him and for that we should be humbly grateful and with that humble gratitude will come into our hearts a new joy in God let's pray that we'll be able to hold on to that a minute of quiet while you talk to him and then I'll pray and then we'll have the bit that I dread because there are lots of very tricky questions to be answered from Romans chapter 11 and I know you cussed people are going to find them and ask them but before we do that you pray that God will help us to learn from his word from what we've heard already tonight <coughs> Our minute's gone, so let me pray. Our Father, we do want to certainly praise you for the good things in creation, especially as it gives us reason to be grateful to you for them, and then comes joy as we enjoy them with that frame of heart and mind. But we want to especially praise you tonight for grace that is nothing to do with our good works or our bad works but which overcomes our barricades of sinfulness to flood our lives with your kindness so keep us Gentiles marveling at that kindness to us and at the same time wanting that same kindness to flow back and overwhelm the Jews so that they can experience the riches that we have amazingly come to inherit and we pray that in their joy they will help others to follow Jesus and to be the true children of Abraham that you intend them to be. And we pray that for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.